Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Well, hi there. We are both on the road today. Richard is in Salt Lake City and I'm up at Bear Lake. And actually, I've been on the road on the way down to another house because my car ran out of gas. <laughs> so on the road has a new meaning today. Do you think on the road is a good thing or a bad thing, honey? I think on the road is a great thing. You know, we're gonna. this is going to be an experiment for us. We're going to try our best to continue to do this show live uh, all through the fall, even though, just without even pulling out my calendar, this fall we're going to be in England, in Germany, in Switzerland, in uh, Japan, in uh, New York City, in, um, oh my goodness, Spain. Do you think, uh, you know, we're going to have to rely a little on, on, uh, on Skype. That might be our best bet. To, to keep doing so. this show live because we're going to be, you know, I just want to get some of your listeners clued in and maybe excited about this. We're going to talk a lot about parenting and families in other cultures. Um, we often assume that families are always the same wherever you are, but boy, that's that's not always true. And there's a lot we can learn from some of the European cultures, from some of the Asian cultures about parenting about certain aspects of commitment, about calmness and uh, equilibrium uh, despite emotional outbursts of children. There's quite a few things that we can pass on. We'll, we'll take on kind of a more, maybe we'll change the name of the show to Ayers in the Air. <laughs> Although there's no Skype in the air <laughs> that I know no, I'm of. I'm talking anyway. about how we get to places we can't drive to, to our destinations this fall. <laughs> so right. we're going to be on the on the road, but it's going to be the sky road. Exactly, and it's going to be exciting. We've got three weeks left, and then we're headed out. We have three children now living in Europe, which is and a little bit crazy. That makes you travel. I mean, the kids maybe not, but the grandkids, you got to go see them. The kids would be mad at you about that, but oh well, uh, it's true. Those grandkids are so fun. In fact, but we you have know just what? put the. I just have to say, we have just put the last four of our 27 grandchildren that were here this summer on a plane yesterday, and we're feeling a little bit free today, right? I thought you were going to say a little bit lonely, but you said a little bit free, so now I get it. Now I get it. Yeah. Um, you know, here's the thing that's interesting, Linda. Um, our, we only have really one purpose in doing this radio show each week, and that is... Well, actually, we have two. I'll say the second one first, then I'll say the real one. We we don't need to keep a, a journal much anymore because all these shows are online at byuradio.org, and if we ever forget what happened to us at some random week in the past, we can just click on there and listen to ourselves, and we say, oh, yeah, that's where we were. That's what we were doing. So that's a minor purpose. The, the real purpose of trying to come on the, the radio and speak about families and parenting each week is that we just feel so strongly that uh, that commitment, and, you know, I wish there was a more specific word. I, I, I use the word commitment, but what I really mean is marriage commitment and family commitment and parent-to-child commitment and commitment to 
the idea of a family-centric lifestyle, we we just, again, not to interject a negative note, but we see it on the wane, so to speak. It's like the moon right now is, is waning, and we see commitment as waning. We see, you know, you all know as listeners how much traveling we do, and, and it's disturbing to us. Now, there's a lot of positive things. We we certainly see a lot of parents and families working hard at what they do and prioritizing their family relationships. But speaking generally, statistically, across the board, we're disturbed at how many times and in how many places we run into people who essentially are saying to us, you know, it's freedom that counts. It's independence that counts. It's keeping my options open that counts. And any time I start, you know, making commitments like marriage or having a child or settling down in one place, I begin to lose my independence. I begin to lose my freedom. I begin to limit my options. That just seems to be kind of a a growing mantra, and that's what's contributing so much to young couples who decide to cohabitate rather than get married, who decide to just have a relationship but not have children, who decide to just, well, maybe a dog would be fine, but I could put him in a kennel and I wouldn't limit my options, but a child would really tie me down. We hear this kind of thing more often by far than we did a decade ago. And so we want to talk a little bit today, and this is one of those times, Linda, I wish it was a call-in show, because it would be so interesting to hear people's response. But but we want to talk about this question. Should you trade your independence for interdependence? And, And I want to just say, I think a lot of people just off the top of their head without thinking through what we're going to be talking about today, would say, no, I'm not trading my independence for anything. Independence is the most important thing to me, and I will not turn loose of it. Um, it's true. I I know you're, you're saying this very seriously. We talk about it a lot, and it is really sad and scary. But uh, one thing you said in passing made me giggle because... Uh, you talk about, oh, yeah, I'll have a dog, but I can't have kids. They just tie me down. Well, our kids are the exact opposite. They're like, we can have kids, but we can't have a dog. What could we do? We, we wouldn't be able to travel. It is so funny that we had multiple animals. I know this is an aside, but um, we had animals coming out our ears when our kids were home. Puppies, dogs, kittens, cats, snakes, rabbits, everything. And not one of our child children has a pet. So I don't know. Sometimes <laughs> I don't pets understand tie you it. down. Sometimes kids tie you down. But in our kids' minds, pets tie you down. You're a little, you're a little off the track here, Linda. But that's okay. I am. I am. But I, I just actually, had to laugh about that. I, I actually think we should do a show. Maybe we'll do it in the next couple of weeks on 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 having pets in order to teach your children responsibility. And, yeah. and yeah, I, you know, maybe we could get our ki- our own kids to tune into that and convince them to get a dog for our grandkids. I don't know, but no, anyway, we, we I mean, tried that. But but let me just follow up on the serious side of what you were saying, and it is actually interesting that some of our 
younger kids, because they're in the younger generation, have thought, you know, I'm going to get, have all the fun I can. I'm going to do everything I possibly can, because once I get married, or and then once I have a baby, then I'm really tied down. We, one of our sons calls it baby jail, because once you have a baby, you really do lose your independence, even though you're interdependent with your wife. And so it is, there's a lot involved in independence. It's not just a spouse. Um, and it is, includes children, includes pets, includes a lot of things. But Okay, you know, but let me go back to, let, let me go back to the, the guiding question, which is really the topic of today's show. Um, should you or would you like to trade your independence for interdependence? Because let's start off by saying they are mutually exclusive. If if you're interdependent, that's very different than being independent. Independent in simple terms means essentially I depend on myself and and I'm self-sufficient and I don't really need someone else. And and that seems for so many to be the ultimate goal or the ultimate prize or the ultimate aspiration. Interdependence, on the other hand, means I choose by virtue of a commitment I've made and the responsibility I've taken on to be interdependent, particularly on my spouse, and and to rely on her and and she relies on me and so on. Now, a lot of a lot of times one of the problems is in semantics. A lot of times people think interdependence means codependence. Codependence is a term usually used for a very sort of. Um, for for a relationship where one of the parties is weak or is dominated or is unable to do anything without the help and guidance of the superior managing partner, so to speak. And there was a best-selling book years ago called Codependent No More, which was kind of a a cry by feminists saying we shouldn't have to depend on men. We should be able to rely on ourselves and so on. We're not talking about that here. We're talking about interdependence as a choice you make to say, I'm willing to give up my independence because I love this person. I want to share my life with him or her and I and I want to be codependent I want to be interdependent with this person. And and we're gonna make a case today I mean, not not that there's something inherently wrong with independence. I think what the point you're making, Linda, is there's a time for independence, and one of the prime times for it is probably when you're a young adult and you're a college student or you're a missionary for your church or you're you're out doing things on your own. And uh, even then, I could argue that you're not really independent. You're dependent on the people around you. You're de- dependent on your friends. You're dependent on God. But that kind of independence where you're on your own, you're making your mark in life, you're trying to become competent in various ways, there's a time for that. But the, the, the problem I have is that some people think the time for that is the rest of their life, and they're not getting to the point where they say, you know what, now I'm ready to become interdependent with this person that I love and we will form a family and we will depend on each other and on our family rather than just upon our individual selves. You know, it's so true. Uh, One of our daughters had lunch last week with a friend who has been married just for a year 
and is pregnant. She's older, uh, well, 37 or something like that. But um, she she kind of missed her independence and didn't know if things were going very well. And she was just kind of like a wind, a willow in the wind. I mean, she's saying, you know, maybe I should, maybe I should just get divorced. Maybe I should just call this off. And then she started telling her the lovely things that they're doing together as a couple. Um, having a little study class in the morning, they pray together, they do things uh, together and so on. And I just think, what are people thinking um, when, even when there's no major problems, it's just they're not really happy. And so what do you say about that, Richard, if sometimes being interdependent means not being happy all the time every day? Absolutely, and I, I think what we should do is take a brief break, and then when we come back, let's explore the pro, let's try to be honest and objective and explore the pros and cons of independence versus the pros and cons of interdependence. We'll be right back after this break. Iyer's on the road, parenting in a modern world. Here's Richard and Linda Iyer. And we're back. Um, Richard, I've been thinking during the break about a conversation that you had with our adult children this summer uh, while they were all here in July. And I didn't happen to be there because I was up here at Grammy Camp with some of our grandchildren. But um, why don't you share what you learned from that? Because I think all of them were not totally on board on the interdependence thing, or at least, you know, the independence thing. Well, that, thanks for rem- remembering that, honey. I think what happened there is I, I was sort of making the case for interdependence as a compliment to them because all, all but one of our nine children are married, and they've all married people that, that are wonderful compliments to them. And, and I was essentially saying, you know, isn't it great to be able to pursue oneness and to have moved past that sort of lonely, independent, single phase of life. And the pushback I got on it uh, was not really on the theory of the idea. It was, and I think it was, it was right. I mean, it was. I accepted it because what some of them were saying is, "Look, that's easy for you and mom to say because you two really do complement each other, and you've really." You know, mom really, what they're really saying is mom really makes up for your weaknesses and flaws. And you, you, you two together are, you know, you have synergy. The, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And they were saying that's not always true for people. And, and my pushback to them was, well, look, we've worked at it for over 40 years. You know, if you see a synergy and a, and a teamwork between us, and you think it just happened, then, you know, don't even go there. It, it's, it's We've been working at it for 40 years. So it was a positive discussion. But, you know, again, I, what I think, and I'd love to hear your thought on this, honey, I think, I think people, um, here, here's what, I, I guess this is really the crux of it for me. I hear people saying, well, if I, if I get married, if I, if I become interdependent, 
my life will be less exciting. It'll, I mean, I won't have the options I do now. I won't be able to go and travel. I won't be able to do my extreme sports. I'll, I'll be sort of settling down, and I don't even like the sound of that. I, I want to continue to be active and excited. And, and what we try to say to them is, look, if you think hang gliding or, or kite surfing or traveling uh, by yourself is, is exciting, Wait till you try marriage. That is, that is high adventure. That is an extreme sport. That is something that will challenge you on levels you've never been challenged before. If you want to show you have real guts, take the plunge, make a commitment, and then your life will get really exciting in emotional ways that you've never experienced before. And I, I have to totally agree with that. I mean, even though we, I have to admit, we do compliment each other. Um, we probably have disagreed more than any couple that anybody out there has uh, listened to, except maybe, I don't know. There's probably exceptions, but we really do have differing opinions. And so uh, we think that's part of the fun in the long run, going through And part it of the strength of it is you bring fun. two different things to the table. Um, exactly. And as long as one is not totally dominant and this is what we're going to do and this is what you should do and so on, um, then it becomes a partnership rather than, and, and a real interdependence rather than, I just want to be myself. I, of course you have to be yourself. Um, you have to have differing opinions. Sometimes you have to agree to disagree, although, Richard, you have a hard time with that. But it is true. I mean, sometimes you just have different ways of doing things. And, of course, you need to still be yourself and be who you are and so on. But building with each other uh, is so exciting. You're right. It's a lot more exciting than skydiving, which I, I can't say I would love to do. Well, let me throw out a couple of uh, uh, quotes that I think kind of tie into this. Uh, and, again, we're not trying to offend anyone, and we're not trying to say that, it's, that there aren't uh, single unmarried people who live wonderful and full lives. But, and who would actually like to be married? They would like to be, but it's just not, it hasn't worked out. Well, yeah, that, that's the interesting thing. The Pew Research Center just came out with a survey, and the vast majority of unmarried Americans still would like to be married at some point. Now, that doesn't mean that they're pining away and not not accomplishing anything as a single person, but I, I like what Benjamin Franklin said. He said, a single man is like half a pair of scissors. And I just love that because I think I think matrimony and interdependence is the natural state of things. I think we're we're hardwired to love another person. I think we're hardwired to to depend on another person, to share with another person. I just think that's part of whom we are. And another one that I love is is Ralph Waldo Emerson who said, "See how the masses of men worry themselves into nameless graves." Well, here and there, a great unselfish soul forgets himself into immortality. Now, you can interpret that in a lot of ways. It has a lot of meanings, a beautiful quote. But one way to interpret it is that, you know, when we're too wrapped up in ourselves, when we're spending 24-7 worrying about what's happening to me and what I have and what I don't have and what my life is doing and it's me, 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 I, 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 uh, that that's that's that leads to unhappiness over time and to loneliness. 
Whereas if you want to move along that spectrum from selfishness toward selflessness, the biggest step I know you can take is when you get married and start a family and you start loving another person more than yourself, a lot of other people if you have children. And and just a lot of people we talk to, Linda, who've just been married, they're like, wow, I, you know, or just had a child. I can't believe the the feeling of joy that I have in caring more about another person than I do about myself and actually be willing to give my life for this other person because they're more important to me than me. And, you know, it's a, it's a marvelous thing. And, and I, I just think all, all who are there should appreciate that they're there and all who are not there should anticipate being there someday. Yeah, I, I do always, as you know, have to be, have to feel sad for those people who, um, are living lonely lives, not because of something of their own fault. I mean, uh, whether it's a nasty divorce or, I mean, which really should have taken place because of situations, or we have a young father in our neighborhood who just lost his darling wife a year ago last week to cancer with three young children. I mean, those people hearing this uh, might be kind of sad. And, and of course, we, we're not including them. We're just, we're talking to people who are contemplating young adults uh, mostly, but contemplating whether or not they should make a commitment to be interdependent rather than independent. We need to make that specification, knowing that there are so many who have different circumstances. Yeah, that's for sure. And um, you reminded me, honey, of that discussion I had with our adult adult children uh, a couple of weeks ago. And another, I think, you know, sometimes when you're trying to explain something, you come up with a metaphor, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. And, and in this case, I think it did. I was trying to explain to them that you could, just what you were saying a few minutes ago, honey, that you you don't totally give up your independence and your, your unique nature when you become interdependent. And and the first metaphor I tried was, was Khalil Gibran, the... the the, the Persian writer who once said, you know, we're, we should be like separate strings on the same instrument. We each have our own note, but we sound in harmony with the other. And, and that I didn't feel like that was quite getting through. And then I said, you know, it's like hydrogen and oxygen. Now, now hydrogen is a wonderful thing. Oxygen's a wonderful thing by itself. But water... When they're combined, when they become H2O, when hydrogen and oxygen become water, water is the fabulous thing. Water is what flows. Water is what gives life and so on. And I, and I was trying to make the point that you're still hydrogen and I'm still oxygen, but we've, we've combined and we've become water. We've become something that was un, unfathomable to either of us while we reached just a separate gas. And, and, you know, I mean, you've got to think about that for a while. We talked about it for a while, but, but that's really the bottom line, is you don't give up who you are. You enhance who you are when you become interdependent with another person. It is so true. And even though, you know, there's always some pushback um, when one person's opinion um, overrides the others and so on, um, I think it is so important for a couple to discuss 
how they feel about what's going on, not just now we're going to be interdependent and this is how we do it, but how should we do it? Really set out some right. guidelines and decide how, the, how you're going to do it so that both parties feel comfortable. Well, b- b- exactly, honey. I mean, if, you, if you're a listener out there who says, well, I'm married, so I must be interdependent, not necessarily. I mean, you know, we see, believe us, in our work, we see plenty of marriages that are anything but interdependent. We see marriages where one person's totally dominating the other person, where there's all kinds of unrighteous dominion. We see marriages where they're so far apart that they're just destroying each other because they don't agree on anything. We see we see some marriages that are so loose People are are completely independent. They just got married as a sort of a formality. They still live totally separate lives. There's all there's all kinds of bad models for marriage. I think what you said is perfect, honey. You need if you're a couple who's striving for this higher law of interdependence, you need to sit down together, think about it, think about the goal of interdependence. What are your strengths? What are my strengths? How do we combine them? How do we learn from each other? How do we grow together? How do we, I mean, that's the goal is, is to say, how, how are we doing together? How is our oneness doing? Is it progressing? Is this entity that we call us making the kind of progress that we want it to? So we're not just talking about, me doing this and you doing that. We're talking about we, us, oneness, this this entity of the two of us. How is it doing? Yeah, and just to close off, I have to say that um, you need to set goals together in order to feel that you're really progressing together and that you're interdependent. And I think that is so important. One of our kids, though, we were, we were laughing in this discussion this summer, the, the goal was to every Sunday say three things they thought their their spouse could improve on, where maybe they should just do be doing three things that they really love about their spouse, and then, you know, maybe one thing that is bothering you that can change. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. We do believe in inter- interdependence, and we know most of our readers out there do in, in uh, theory. It's just putting it to action. That's the hard part. We love you all, listeners, and we love each other, and we're proud to be interdependent, and I'm the one who benefits most by it because Linda makes up for a lot of my really, really, really bad flaws. Oh, I have to agree with that. Just kidding. Okay, see you again next week. Bye-bye. 